Welcome to Delight in the Truth, where the truth of the gospel changes lives. Hi, I'm your host, biblical counselor, Veronica Joyce. So I am so excited to meet with you today on this very first episode of Delight in the Truth. This podcast has been a long time in the making, and I'm very excited to get to launch it. I wanted to just introduce myself to you and just kind of give you a little insight as to why I'm doing this podcast. For a very long time now, I have noticed and experienced both in my church circles and in my counseling practice, a lack of biblical literacy. And this has grieved my heart and just enormous ways um, over the, the past years. As I record this episode, we are in a very weird place in our country as we are going through the COVID-19 pandemic. There's been so much anxiety and stress and frustration and fear that it's almost blinding. The saddest part about all of this for me is that I see a lot of this coming out of the church. And because of this, I started to feel a really strong pull toward launching this podcast. This podcast has been on my mind for over two years now. What I want is to be able to share God with as many people as possible. I want to share his truth with as many people as possible in a time and a culture where truth is whatever you want it to be. And we have so many voices around us that are telling us that, that we are struggling with, quite frankly, struggling with whether we want to believe that or not. The majority of of voices in your life, the places where you have the most voices coming at you are going to have a profound influence on us. And if we are not in God's word, daily and memorizing his word, uh, living that word out on a daily basis, we can't expect a word that we spend 15 minutes in a couple times a week and maybe listen to for 30 minutes on a Sunday to have a predominant influence in our lives. We just, we can't expect that to happen. What I mean when I say biblical illiteracy is I simply mean a lack of understanding of the scriptures, a lack of knowledge about what the scriptures actually say. And the reason this disturbs me is wherever there is a lack of understanding of the scriptures, there will be a lack of understanding of who God is and how he is. It follows that if there's a lack of understanding about God, and who he is and how he acts, there will also be a lack of relationship with him. We cannot delight in God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the beautiful ways they move in our lives if we have no relationship with them. I created this podcast because I want to help to change that. I want God's people to be excited about the Bible, not just because it's the Bible, but because it's where we get to meet and get to know our Heavenly Father, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our Helper, the Holy Spirit. It's where we meet God. So the culture constantly tells us that truth is relevant, that it depends on sort of how you feel at any given time or what you feel truth is for you. You have your truth and you should live from your truth. But if we're honest with each other, just intellectually honest with ourselves, just stop for a minute and take a moment to just 
analyze that statement. Just think about the overall outcome of that statement. So just say you live within your truth. You believe in following the law. You know, a red light is a red light. It means stop, not go. You believe that it is not good to mistreat children. You believe it's that a husband and wife should live in unity. You, you believe all these good things. That's your truth. So what's to say that your neighbor doesn't believe your truth? And he believes that what is his is his and what is yours is his and he just comes every time he sees something new in your yard and he removes it he steals your car he destroys your property he he just say he believes he shouldn't have to have any rules on him at all he should live what he considers to be free how does that affect you how do you go into court and expect to fight for that or call the police and stand on that? Because if you call the police, you're not standing on that belief. You don't really believe that. No one really believes that everyone's truth is their truth. And we, uh, if you do believe it, you only believe it temporarily until someone else's truth is compromising your truth. And then it's not truth anymore. Do you really believe what you believe? And why do you believe it? The Bible is God's word. He is the authority. I believe this because I have researched this. I've worked through this. I have, this is not just some random thing that was passed down to me from my mother and from my mother's mother. I believe what I believe in, in my faith because I took the scriptures and I poured over them and I looked at the history. And when I was done, nothing else made sense. That's why I believe what I believe. So let's look at the whole idea of biblical illiteracy. For the church, what does that mean for us? First off, if we don't know what God's word says, we cannot live the way God calls us to live. If we do not understand the truths that are written in the book of the one who created everything and has given us a roadmap in how to maneuver in this life, what are we placing our hope in ultimately. I want to read a couple statistics to you. So in case you might be thinking, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think, I mean, I go to church on Sunday. I don't think it's that bad. My family, you know, go, we've always gone to church. I don't, I don't know. I think you might be reaching there, Veronica. I don't know if I would call it illiteracy. That's a strong word. Let me just show you or just read a, just a couple of statistics I've found. So let me tell you before I, I just pull up these couple statistics. This is not new in my opinion. I was almost kind of hoping no one um, really felt that way. And they could tell me maybe that I was a little off track. <laughs> um, but I found that I'm, I'm not off track. And what God has been showing me over these last few years, um, the last 10 actually, of my walk with him, is that there are many people who call themselves his that are walking away from truth and just not engaging his word on a regular basis. So let's look at some of this. Kenneth Birding writes in Biola magazine, he says, for well over 20 years now, Christian leaders have been lamenting the loss of general biblical literacy in America. Some among us may be tempted to seek solace in the recognition that our church is increasingly post-Christian. 
Much of our embarrassment, however, it has become increasingly clear that the situation is really no better among confessing Christians, even those who claim to hold the Bible in high regard. How are we holding the Bible in high regards? You can only hold it in high regards if it's got something in it that actually speaks truth to you, to your heart, to your soul. You know it's right, and then you can hold it to high regard. You follow it. Justin Delahy and Ivan Mesa of the, of the Gospel Coalition wrote in a blog post on January 14th, 2020. They said, a recent LifeWay study found that only 32% of Americans who attend a Protestant church regularly say they read the Bible personally every day. Evangelical Protestants fared a little better, 36% but not by much. The Barna Group has a study that they do called State of the Bible. They do this yearly, and their blog states that about half of Americans are Bible users. That is, they engage with the Bible on their own by using, listening to, watching, praying, or using biblical text or content in any format at least three to four times a year. I almost expected to hear them say three or four times a week, which would have made me happy thinking at least 50% of us are using the Bible weekly, but that is a year. It goes on to say, Bible use has remained relatively consistent since 2011, adults who use the Bible daily account for 14% of the total adult population, followed by 13% who use it several times a week, 8% who do so weekly, 6% about once a month, and 8% who use it three to four times a year. Okay, with statistics like that, is there any wonder that those of us who call ourselves Christian have no idea who God really is, how he really acts in our lives, what he would really want from any of us. We say things like God would want us to be happy as if the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation is full of quotes about how God wants us to be happy. God isn't interested in our happiness because happiness is a fleeting emotion. Happy comes when you have what you want and then it disappears when you don't. The Bible speaks a lot about joy, but joy is not a fleeting emotion and it's something given to you by God. We know it's given by God because it's commanded for his children to have joy. It's right up there with all the other commands that we struggle with having. So we don't expect that we're always going to have joy because we are human beings and we are struggling and we are working with God and we are praying daily for all the commands of the scriptures. We don't fulfill any of the commands of scripture perfectly, not even joy. And so when we think God only wants us to be happy, we fall away and we're frustrated and angry with him because he doesn't just give us happy. He never promised us that. And a good reading of the Bible, gosh, a good reading of just about any book of the Bible will show you that happy is not God's main concern in your life and my life. His main concern is that we look more and more like Jesus. His main concern is our holiness, not our happiness. Just think of it this way. If you have a husband, if you're married, 
and you spoke to your husband four times a year, what kind of relationship do you think you're going to have? Say you're a parent and you have children. If you had one or two encounters with your children during the week, could you say that you know anything about your children? This is what I mean by biblical illiteracy. You could not have a relationship with your own children if you only engage them once a week. And for many of us, that's once a week, an hour a day at church on Sunday, sitting in a pew. And depending on where you're going to church, you're not even engaging God. You're gauging ideas of the culture. You are focusing on the Bible as life enhancement and not how you should live daily. So these are just some of the statistics. There was just so many. I didn't want to weigh down the very first episode with such depressing numbers. Uh, but I just wanted to give you an idea of what's going on out there in in the Christian circles. So I want to wrap up with just a little quote from Albert Muller who says in a blog entitled, The Scandal of Biblical Literacy, It's Our Problem. He says, while America's evangelical Christians are right to be concerned about secular worldviews, rejection of biblical Christianity, we ought to give some urgent attention to a problem much closer to home, biblical illiteracy in the church. This scandalous problem is our own and is up to us to fix it. This is why I'm launching Delight in the Truth. My passion is to help others to love the Bible again, to learn to understand what you're reading. It's through our understanding that we truly enjoy anything. Truth is not relative. It's not up to everyone's interpretation. It is in this toss-up of the truth that we find ourselves so uneasy all the time. If we have no solid place to plant our feet, we will never feel secure and we'll never feel safe. Truth has to be a place where we can stand. Truth always feels heavy. Wherever there's a lie, truth feels heavy. And everything less will crack under the pressure. When we hold on to false truth, we feel the weight when presented with real truth. It can't be avoided. But there is something beautiful about truth and its solid nature. There's something very attractive about it. Yet we keep pushing against it. We keep trying our best to make our own truth. And it's because truth contradicts what we really want. And we love our lies. If we're honest, we love our sin. The things that we want that are outside of God's will, we love those things. And we don't want God to take those from us. We've been told that he's mean for doing that. But if you're a parent, you know better than that. My hope and prayer is that through this podcast, I can encourage those who have fallen away from God's truth to confess, repent, and return to the Father who loves them. I would love to be able to edify and encourage those of you who have become weary to remember where your strength lies. And I want to walk with those of you who want God's truth, but just doesn't quite know how to make the word of God come alive in your life. If you're anything like me, you have read God's word over the years, and there are things that you see, you know God says you can have, but you've not experienced any of those things. And when you haven't experienced them, it encourages you to turn away. You want to hold on to God and all that you know is true, but you're not willing to trust him in prayer, to ask for things. And I'm not talking about just stuff. I mean, the things that God has promised, 
I'm not talking about money and houses and cars and all that ridiculous stuff. The Holy Spirit promises more of himself. God promises more of the Holy Spirit to you. And that means power in the areas of your life that you're fighting against, that you're struggling with. We want God to just change those things, but we don't want to put forth the work. And there is work to be had. And this is not a work-based gospel I'm saying here. But like James says, faith without works is dead. We have to step into the Jordan before God allows the water to recede. There is a part you play, but you do that. You play it in faith. We want things. And when we step out and God doesn't want us to have those things, he knows why and it's good why, but we don't know why. And we step out and God doesn't meet us there and we think he's unfaithful, but he is not unfaithful. You have no idea how he's loving you in that moment, but I guarantee he is loving you. So I am on this journey with you. I have faced all of those things and I, I still face them today. Learning what it means to pray, learning what it means to experience God's power in the things that I do in the places that I step. I don't always step and he shows up. In that moment, I get to experience who he might be in that moment. And it's never bad. I could think he has abandoned me there, but the truth is he has promised never to leave me or forsake me. And could it be that in that moment, he wants me to remember that? How does God teach you that he will never leave you or forsake you? He gives you opportunity to feel like you've been left. Have you been left? Absolutely not. But it might feel like it and all the people in the world may tell you that you have been but he has not left you. Will you believe it is the question. I want more of God. I want more of his spirit. I want more of the Jesus that I read about in the pages of this wonderful book. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want any more of this world's Jesus. I want, and not only want, but I need the Jesus who is not afraid to make the hardest choices for my benefit. Even if these are choices I wouldn't make for myself, in my own weakness, I, there's a lot of things I would not do that I need to do for myself. I want and I need the Jesus who loves me enough to say no to me, especially when my selfish choices and desires will keep me from him or cause spiritual pain, deprivation, or decay. I need the God who will say no, even if these choices and decisions and desires of mine give me approval of others or physical pleasure. I want and need the God who sees the big picture, the eternal picture, and not what will make me temporarily happy today in this world that's passing away. I need the Holy Spirit that makes me better than I am because of him. The Holy Spirit that through his life in me makes my life look increasingly more like Jesus. I want and need the Holy Spirit that defines love as God defines it and not how the spirit of the world defines it. I want to love God. I want to love God's word. I want to love it because it shows me who he is and I want to love him for who he is. I want to love him more every day. I want to love the people he loves the way he loves them and not the way the world tells me to love them. The world's love is fickle and self-serving. If I'm willing to just love you where you are, then I'm not loving you. If I'm willing to encourage you toward better than I am. Do you see? If I'm willing to just accept the sin you're in so there's no conflict between you and me, that's me loving me. That is not me loving you. I hope you can see that. God's love is steadfast and true. It makes 
hard choices. It says hard things in a loving way. If this is what you want as well, then join me each week on Delight in the Truth and let's pursue our love for God and His truth together. I'll meet you here next Wednesday on our next episode. Delight in the Truth is brought to you every week by Genesis One Biblical Counseling. This program is not counseling via podcast. If you find you are in need of a biblical counselor and would like to set up an appointment, please feel free to contact my office at 480-340-1381 or go online to genesis1bc.org for more information or to make an appointment.